I am Sergio Brodsky, and I'm a brand and foresight strategist. And I'm Jazz Giuliani, the editor of Marketing Mag. Welcome to Futurecast, the podcast where we talk with professional futurists, renowned academics, and high-profile business leaders from around the world. In this series, we think about the future so that we can meaningfully change the present. The time is now. Join us for better futures. This episode of Futurecast is proudly sponsored by Adobe. To discover the skills marketers need today and in the future, visit marketo.com or click the link in our episode notes. And some of the qualities you touched on earlier, they really resonated with me, Um, you know, being comfortable with ambiguity and self-aware and open and working without ego. And, you know, that, that is such an amazing style of leadership that to be honest, I haven't always seen modelled um, to me uh, in a lot of organisations I've worked in and I've worked in a lot of places where there is that maybe that control style of leadership. How much of this is leadership style and how much of the future of leadership can be changed by maybe something like diversity, be that with age or gender, cultural background and so on? I just wonder whether the future of our industry and business and the world more generally could actually be transformed by showing up with different types of leaders, different kinds of perspectives, and I guess embedding the, you know, we talk about diversity in teams and in organisations, but I'm curious what you think about diversity at a leadership level and how that can impact structural inequality or how having a diverse leader can change an organisation or the world. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, there is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want to find. I want to get to a place in the world where the word diversity isn't even used as a, you know, as mm. a, as a noun or a verb or whatever it is, um, because it just is. You know that 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 we embrace all styles of humanity, no matter what creed, color, race, gender, background, belief system, mm. style, anything. And you know, the best leaders out there, if they haven't got a board that represents the world then they haven't got a board that represents their customer. So, you know, what the fuck are they doing? There is so much to be learned by by history. So I'm really into, we're into mentoring, right? That's a big part of our whole ethos. Um, And we don't just provide our scholars and fellows with mentors who are like them. We'd be failing if we did. You You know, we'll find mentors that are true introverts. We'll find mentors that are extroverts. We'll find mentors who didn't go to university. We'll find uh, mentors of different race, religion, sexuality, every, every, as much as we can. You know, we, we will find those people. I have a bigger problem, bigger challenge with that in Australia, to be quite honest with you. It's a huge challenge in Australia. It's fabulous in the US, fantastic in the US. And the UK is pretty pretty core as well if I'm completely honest so we have to work really really hard to even access the the kinds of people that we want to bring in to our community to enrich the learning of our scholars and fellows and the age thing oh my gosh I mean well the person who runs our leadership faculty 78 you know you we need that wisdom and past experience she comes from a completely different world to every scholar (laughs) you know she's super wealthy, comes from a very privileged background, you know, had all of the private school privilege that 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 entailed, you know, white, 
upper class, completely different to some of our scholars, but oh my God, the wealth of knowledge that someone like that has is just as strong as a wealth of knowledge that one of our apprentices, we run an apprenticeship in the UK for kids from the wrong side of the tracks, 18 to 24 year old youngsters. You know, we brought our apprentices into boot camp. You know, 21 year old black kid from a gang in London. You know, our scholars can learn as much from him as they can from our 78 year old leadership guru. So, you know, bringing that beautiful tapestry of humanity into leadership is essential. You know, without it, we've got nothing. We're role modeling the same thing. You know, we will have bred Hamilton. I'm, I'm a big fan of Hamilton, the show. And we, but, but if you look at the pictures <laughs> yeah. of all of the presidents in the UK, they all just look like Hamilton in a different year, you know, and, and Lincoln and it all, they all look the same. And you think, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, we needed that diversity. And fortunately, it happened with Obama in the States. It's happening now with, with the new VP. So, you know, things are changing. You know, female, female uh, Jacinda running New Zealand. You know, things are, things are shifting. But, mm. you know, the corporate world, the commercial world, and specifically in marketing, advertising, and media, if your board isn't a direct reflection of your customer, then what the hell are you playing at? So... You know, and the customers are, are as diverse as, as everything. I don't know how many segments there are. When we do that segmenting map in marketing and you segment your audience and you go, oh, my God, there's like 55 segments. Well, you know, then you've got to be working hard to make sure that that's represented through your entire organization. It's such a no-brainer. Mm. I just don't understand why it's not happening as much. But that's going to shift. That, I think, is shifting already. Yeah, and I mean, you, you really see that. I, like uh, one one example of when you can really see when teams aren't diverse, particularly in marketing, is during the Black Lives Matter movement when brands were jumping on board and putting up posts and some of them were so tone deaf and people picked up on it. And it's like, that's because you don't have any black people within your organisation, right? So how can you talk authentically about it? You know, these brands jumping on board. And, and I think that you can really sense it. And Younger generations are really across that. Um, you, you can sense when there's no young people working with an, an organization or a brand and their marketing is trying to be woke. You know, it's very, it can it. be uncomfortable to see. And in, in Australia, you're right, there is so, there's so much lacking. We could talk all day about it. And I hope we don't need that word diversity. <laughs> no, I hope we don't. I hope we eradicate it off, off the place of the planet. Mm. But marketing, media, and advertising is very white, very middle class, very education based, you know, you need to have a degree in almost every, every entry program in any of the blue chip companies around the world. Historically, you've needed to have a degree. Well, you know, some people don't, right, because they don't have two working parents, or they don't have parents at all, or they just didn't have the privilege of, of choice, or, you know, they weren't supported by an environment that would give them that, or they weren't invested in it, whatever the reasons are. Um, and our industry has got the biggest battle. I remember when I first set up the um, apprenticeship program in the UK, it's a charity, it's a foundation. And I was walking around all of the HQs of all of the advertising agencies in London, and I couldn't mm. see black faces anywhere. And, I, and, they, and they weren't represented in my scholarship either. Um, and we're reliant on the industry to nominate the talent. And they weren't nominating diverse people at all. We, we're diverse in gender, we're diverse in religion, we're diverse in sexuality, but we're, you know, mm. we're not diverse in colour. 
anywhere outside of the US where um, it's really strong. We're really strong in, in the US because the industry is stronger in the US because they've been working at it for longer and they've been developing talent at the grassroots level. So, you know, they've provided opportunity for black people, for Hispanics, for Mexicans, etc. They've, they've provided more of it. There's been more of a focus on it. You know, the UK and Australia specifically has to catch up. Uh, if you look at if you look at the scholar cohorts in Australia over the last six years, 180 of them, and you know the amount of ethnic diversity is woeful. We can all do better and have to do better because you know we're just not representing our, our customers. It's it's insane. We're talking to an echo chamber. Mm. It's it's nuts. But I think what what we all agree is that diversity matters. Period. That's it. Mm-hmm. If, if we don't mm-hmm. have that, you know, we, we're all going to die from the same virus that, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, we need diversity to survive, to build antibodies. And uh, mm-hmm. as someone that has experienced many different industries, I feel like I have built some of these antibodies that made me more resilient as well uh, because of my very diverse type of experience, not only professional, but personal as well. So it's something that I greatly appreciate, even though not every difference can actually make a difference. And since we we touched on on the point of diversity and influence as well, influence being a synonym to leadership, uh, through the through the marketing academy, and I had the privilege of uh, going through the scholarship and being involved with with the with the alumni uh, as well. We were exposed to an incredible range of leaders from uh, from academia, from the military, uh, uh, athletes, elite athletes, even uh, uh, business, you know, and several different industries. But for you, Sherilyn, who who's been doing this for a decade now and much closer than than us who graduated from that program. In what ways uh, do, do, do the, market, the marketing leaders differ from other leaders? Where are we stronger? Where are we weaker? Or where are we just different and unique as well? Oh, that's a fabulous question. And I am deeply passionate about the sheer breadth of ability and capability within, within marketers um, as a really special place to breed CEO talent, you know, top, top, top leadership talent. In my view, the the so on the fellowship um, program, which we run for, that's for client side CMOs only. We run it in EMEA and the US. I haven't launched it in Australia yet, but bear with, it's going to come. <laughs> um, that we focus on enabling the CMOs to step up to become CEOs. That's what that learning program is all about. There's no marketing content whatsoever. And the reason why. We're so passionate about uh, raising up the leadership talent within marketing is because marketers have the most special combination of capability that I've seen in any other function or industry. Because inherently, marketers are phenomenal communicators, which is kind of one of the main leadership traits that you need right you need to be a fantastic communicator you need to have a creative mindset at the same time as having a mind that can grapple with data and the combination of those two is really hard to find but exists far more in marketers than any other function that beautiful place where art and science meets inside your brain Great marketers have that as naturally innate way of thinking. 
the, you know, the ability to blend art and science, creativity and numbers and figures. And, you know, two totally different sides of the brain, they say. But, you know, the, the best marketers have the ability to straddle both. We are braver, courageous. We, we constantly live in white water, right? We're mm. constantly in the rapids. The shit's hitting the fan all the bloody time. We've got to respond to things immediately. We've got to pivot quickly. We have to be adaptable, um, flexible. We have to be open to change. Here's the thing. We have to listen. We're really fabulous listeners because we have to listen to the customer, whether we're in B2B or B2C, the customer, the client. And so it's the same in agencies, right? The agencies have to listen to their clients. So the ability to listen is also right up there from a leadership trait perspective and the ability to influence. That's what we do. Marketing, media and advertising is in the leadership business. If our definition of a leader is that 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 person who has influence over someone else and what other industry or function is there that has more influence than marketing, media and advertising? So we're in the leadership business. So marketers, for me, provide the best leadership potential than any other function in a business. It's just historically been underinvested in and under-regarded, under-respected, disrespected, that's begun to shift, I think, massively. You know, social media enabled that shift, in my view. You know, the CEO of the company thought, (laughs) shit, a bloody customer can say something on social media and take our share price down. I've got to get our marketers onto this, right? So they've begun to understand the power of that connectivity and the influence of the brand in the markets. So I think it's begun to shift, but, you know, my book, if, if any board is looking to bring in capability into their boardroom, look no further than your CMO and the marketing organization, because that's the leadership talent that you need mm. to start bringing in. That's a soapbox moment, Sergio. It's possibly the best question you could have asked. <laughs> no, no. It's, I mean, and it's really funny because uh, this week I actually spoke with uh, Thomas Barta that you know quite well he uh, he with you he leads the fe- the fellowship program of the marketing academy and i asked a similar question to him uh, about you know marketers as leaders and he gave a similar a- answer to you but he also said that if ma- if we, the reason we don't have more marketers in at ceo level is because we're probably not marketing ourselves well enough and that's, and that's possibly something we need to overcome and do a bit better and a bit more. Oh, ain't that the truth? I mean, we've got to get out of our own way. You know, I, I, we, we just need to embrace the power of who we are and what we do and, you know, stop hiding that under a bushel and stop this whole tall poppy syndrome crap in Australia, which is another particular hobby horse of mine, um, because that's created that kind of mentality, not just in marketing, everywhere. You know, they're not putting their heads above the parapet because they're too afraid that somebody's going to cut them down at the knees because that's become a a cultural okay thing to do, which is just shit. So, you know, we've got to start embracing the power that's that's at our fingertips and we've got to do a better job of talking about it and shouting about it. And that's about self-belief more than anything else. I mean, that and that crucifies everybody, a lack of self-belief crucifies everybody but there was some research I don't know who did it it was KPMG or something there was some research that came out last year about CMOs as they interviewed all of the C-suite and one of the questions was about the reputation of the CMO or the impact of the CMO 
within the C-suite. And by a mile, this research shows that it's the CMO who believes that they have the least impact, not their peers. Their peers believe the CMO is doing a much, much better job than the CMO believes he or she is doing. That's a self-belief issue. It's not evidenced in fact. That's an emotional choice. So, you know, we've just got to do more self-analysis on, you know, where the lack of belief comes from and get a bit more confidence to, to just embrace what we're brilliant at. And we are brilliant. What skills will marketers need to drive growth in the years ahead? Download Marketing 2025 to discover how 700 executives imagine the future and the top skills and tools you'll need to master. From the role of machine learning to neuromarketing, learn what will satisfy customers' ever-evolving expectations. Download it now from a link in our episode notes. Mm, it's, it's maybe less about... I think that the people have always thought the CMOs have always thought that the the gap that exists is because they don't have a seat at the table with the C suite. But maybe it's more that they don't believe that they deserve a seat, and maybe that's you know what we need to work on in the industry. Yeah, and if you're not demanding a seat, you're never going to get one. So act as if you already have it. You know, walk in the shoes of the board. In your mind, just shift it to, and if I was on the board, what would I be doing differently? If the answer is nothing, then you're already in that board role. You don't need the ticket. You know, you don't need the title. You can have just as much influence over the members of a board outside of the room as inside of the room. If you just choose to believe that, that you've got the capability to do so. And then, and then they'll give you a seat on the board, you know, because you'll have been walking in those shoes. Well, I think I've always swaggered my way into every role that I've ever had. So I definitely am a believer in that. Yeah, swagger. That's good. (laughs) That's what you need, a bit of swagger. So speaking of culture, you spoke about uh, tall poppy, and that is definitely something that is prolific in Australian culture over here. I'm curious about the idea of purpose in our career and you know you spoke about that a little bit earlier about you know when you found your your purpose and that had that time to pause and reflect and as somebody facilitating education how important do you think it is you know finding your purpose and fulfillment in what you do and can that be embedded in the culture of an organization it's vital it's at the it's at the core of our curriculum Mm. Um, because if you don't have it, you will never be as good as you can possibly be. So unless you've been able to work out what role you're playing in this world and why, and as soon as you can work out what it is that gives you complete joy, that enables you to be in flow, that bounces you out of bed in the morning, unless you know what those things are, then you're never going to have reached your full potential. You know, I've got I've got a lot of people in my life that, you know, they're in they're my age, they're in their 50s and have never really found it. And I just and they're very happy and they're living a you know successful life. And, you know, on, on balance, they're fine. Have they achieved everything they could have achieved? Had they been able to tap into that a bit earlier on? Then no, I didn't find my purpose until I was 43. 
and I had to nearly die to find it. I mean, I then made it my mission to ensure that nobody else had to go through that that was in my sphere of influence. No one else was going to have to die in order to be able to realize that there's a way to tap into to your purpose. So we embedded it in, in the program. And I do believe that that personal fulfillment that personal purpose and fulfillment has to come from the individual, not the company. It's not the company's role. There are companies out there that have a higher purpose than just their own profits or, pro or products, right? There are many of them. And if you are someone who needs to be working in an environment where that is showing up, then go and work for those businesses. But it isn't the role of a company to provide life purpose to every one of their employees because the responsibility for that doesn't sit with the employer it sits with the individual it is okay for an individual to realize that their purpose and values is misaligned with their companies that's fine leave the company it's not the job of the company to change their purpose and values to fit an employee who joined for the wrong reasons so it having a higher purpose having a greater good is a wonderful thing. All companies should have that somewhere within their business makeup and their culture. But I don't believe it's the job of the companies to provide that. It's the job of the individual to understand what that is for them as an individual and then know and recognize that they have choices to make within that. I could choose to stay in headhunting if I wanted to. And to move out of headhunting, I had to let go of some things. You know, I was never going to be rich again. I started a not-for-profit. I was never going to be rich again. I had to let go of that. My choice, because I discovered that my job choice did not fit with my purpose. But I had a choice. I would still be comfortable, but I couldn't be rich. So I let go of that. And for me, that's where it showed up. Now, you know, everybody's got a different purpose, a different meaning for being. Everybody. And it's very personal to them. And they're the ones that have to take responsibility for, for finding it. Sherlyn, a couple of weeks ago, if not more, I saw you posting something on Facebook uh, uh, related to that video, uh, that thank you, the thank you that the brand has put uh, inviting Unilever and Procter & Gamble to join them in, in a purpose mission, in a purposeful mission. And uh, if dollars counted as votes, what are the brands that we should be spending more money and voting for right now so they can become the big brands, the greatest brands for the future? If, you know, if brands are, you know, this barometer of society, the, the things we do, the things we buy, uh, the demands that brands create, what sort of brands should be, should, should be in existence to allow for that? Yeah, well, that thank you. Oh, my God. Somebody put me in touch with the founders. Thank you, because I just think they are amazing and pretty much the epitome to me and they thanked you yeah they did thank me but oh my, they i mean i love everything about them it's their it's their mission it's their purpose also the products awesome i can't believe it's the price point it is because you know it's thank you or esop for me now i love esop because i'm like i, I just love you know expensive stuff yeah but, but oh yeah buy thank you <laughs> I know the board of ESOP actually, so buy ESOPs as well, but, you know, thank you. Is They are the epitome 
of an organization that's going in the right direction, right? And they are like the, the, they're the new Unilever. I mean, at the corporate level, Unilever has it all for me, always has done. Mm. There's, there's some things they can improve on, but, you know, they are the kind of the, a corporate blue chip level. They are the icon and the leader in, in doing the right thing. And it stems right the way back. If you go into their history, it stems right the way back to the Lever brothers who just felt that it was a human right to be clean and that everybody on the planet had the right to be clean and that's how they set up their business and so that cultural kind of purpose then stemmed through 100 years of their history awesome and i hope that thank you becomes bigger than uni or unilever should just i mean make their products basically so they are the epitome of a brand for me that is doing amazing higher purpose stuff and there's other there's small emerging burgeoning businesses uh usually within the entrepreneur you know the entrepreneurial sector that are coming along like that you know in the in the uk we've got um gandhi's flip-flop who i just love which are thongs to you i don't even yeah. know whether they do it in australia but you know it's flip it's flip-flops uh you know or you've got tom's shoes or you've got mm. patagonia do brilliantly at this sort of stuff you know but even though mm. these have been going for years i we need to see more thank you concepts you know coming through but there are some really good there are really cool brands that you know just do good stuff and that kind of represent the the um, doing better through with more heart. So I think Mars, Mars Confectionery, globally, all over Mars Confectionery, pet food, all of them, they have a lot of heart based in what they do. They do a huge amount of for good. They don't really talk about it. They really don't promote it. But they do a huge amount of good. And they get involved with the UN and they do all sorts of things. There's a fantastic little but well, not little anymore, brand in the UK that I think is coming to us or, or may already be, which is called Brewdog, which is beer. Oh, God, everything that that company does. Oh, I'm completely loving everything that they do. Not, not just from a purpose perspective, but they've got lots of different things they're doing around that. But just from a innovative, creative, engaging their consumers, uh, doing some really sexy, interesting stuff. You know, they're, they, I love that. I love that brand. There's some tech brands that I think are really burgeoning and doing good. Salesforce, I mean, massive technology business. Mm. They've also got quite a heart and a for purpose that they don't really talk about. And a lot of them aren't talking about it. I don't know why that is. They need to be promoting much more. I think it's because they're concerned about this cynicism around purpose and, you know, higher purpose and worthiness and payback. You know, there's been so much cynicism around that you know oh well they're only doing that because you know they want us to buy their shit or they don't really mean it or they don't really feel it to, to really understand the companies that do feel it you just got to look at their employees you just got to go into their employee base because if they're if their employees are absolute rabid fans of the business i can guarantee you it's because that business puts heart first and therefore that's gonna you know they'll be doing things for the for their customers so and then there's the sort of the cutting edge the new emerging just doing interesting stuff like um i think peloton is amazing under armor tesla you know virgin galactic there's the ones that are like pushing the boundaries a bit you know i'm pretty sure it'll be the engineers in tesla that will kind of i i don't know solve world problems even even organizations like formula one the cmo of formula one is one of my fellows and the work that they're doing undercover really but utilizing their engineering capability to solve the problems that we faced around not having enough kit in intensive care units 
and applying their engineering nous to things like that to do a good thing. You know, who knew that Formula One would be supporting that kind of thing? Because they mm. don't really talk about it. But, you know, it's those those are the businesses and the brands that for me are going to lead lead this future. We should be role modeling on them. And that that little thank you. Well, they, they, I mean, thank you should be all over the world, in my view. And mm. P&G and Unilever don't get behind them. You know, they're missing they're missing out massively because they just need scale. And to get scale, they need investment, they need support. Um, but their model is sustainable and scalable. I mean, what a beautiful thing. That's what we need all over the world. And I guess that on that note, thank you. It was a real pleasure and honor to have you here. It was a lot of fun, Sherilyn. Thank you so much. Thank you for hearing me out on my soapbox. <laughs> we loved every moment of it. <laughs> Beautycast is the Marketing Mag podcast series brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Marketing Mag. Beautycast is produced by Joanne Davies, head of Content Brains and publisher of Marketing Mag. And Jazz Giuliani, editor of Content Brains and Marketing Mag. Our executive producer is Sergio Brodsky with original music and audio production by Sam Boone. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. Remember to subscribe to Futurecast so you never miss an episode.